0: Rabbi Chaim Itchidrizen moved to Berkeley, California in 1962 in order to open up a Chabad house. And he didn't know what he was in for. Those were pretty crazy days, and there were a lot of young people who had left home and somehow lost contact with their parents. Every week, the rabbi would get a call or two from a parent saying, My daughter is in an ashram somewhere. Can you please help me get in touch with her? And so the rabbi became very busy driving around. With these Jewish kids who had lost touch with their parents. And since he realized that he wasn't going to be at the Chabad house very often, he made it a habit to carry his talis and tefillin with him in his car, just in case he got stuck somewhere overnight. One Friday, as the rabbi was sitting in the Chabad house, he gets a call from a Mr. Friedman. And between crying, Mr. Friedman says, My daughter is on her way to Hawaii with a young man who is a born-again Christian. She became attracted to him and Christianity, and they're staying together in a small town called Immigrant Gap. And just after Shabbos, they're going to be leaving for Hawaii. Please, Rabbi, I'm begging you, please go find her before she leaves with this man. And as Mr. Friedman is speaking, the Rabbi looks at the clock and realizes that Shabbos is just a few hours away. Then he thinks to himself, he was in Sacramento not such a long time ago, and he thought it wasn't too far away, so... He didn't believe he was saying this, but he said to Mr. Friedman, I'll do my best, and he hung up the phone. And then he called his wife to say that he's going to look for this girl, and she's not supposed to be too far from Sacramento, so it'll maybe be two hours to get there, and hopefully he'll be back before Shabbos. And reluctantly, the rabbi's wife says, Okay, you know, you do what you have to do, but remember, Motzei Shabbos, we're having a special event in our house, so you better be back for Shabbos. No problem, says the rabbi. He gets in his car, starts driving. Now, in 1972, there were no cell phones, no beepers, no Waze, GPS. You just got in the car and started driving. And so the rabbi was driving and driving, and eventually he got to Sacramento, and he thought to himself, oh, good, it's not too far from here. But then he stopped somewhere to ask directions and was told it was another 75 miles. But at this point, the rabbi knew that he couldn't stop. He was too close, and it was too far to go back. And he felt like something in him made him want to keep going forward. So he found a phone booth and called his wife, and he said, I'm really sorry. I didn't think it would take this long, but clearly I'm not going to be back in time for Shabbos. And although she was disappointed, she understood that that's what he had to do. So he kept driving and driving and driving, and now he's worried he might not make it there in time for Shabbos. And finally, he sees a sign that says, Immigrant Gap. Population, 13. It was maybe half an hour before Shabbos, and he came off the highway, and there was a little gas station that had a grocery and a post office all in one little shop. And he went in and he asked for directions. And they said, oh yeah, it's about 20 more minutes up the road. So he bought whatever kosher food he could find, some sardines and some crackers, threw it in the car and started going as fast as he could. And just before Shabbos was about to begin, he got out of the car, locked the door and knocked on the front door of the house. And standing there was a young African-American man. And the rabbi said, I'm looking for Dina Friedman. And the African-American guy said, yeah, she's here. Come on in. And he was very welcoming. But when Dina saw the rabbi, she immediately turned around and walked out of the house. It was clear that Dina understood that her father had sent the rabbi to get her. The rabbi, not knowing what to do for Shabbos, he said, Listen, I need to stay here overnight. Is it okay if I sleep here in your house? And he was a little worried that the guy might say no. And what would he do then? But he said, Yeah, sure. He put a sleeping bag on the floor and he said, Rabbi, you can sleep here. And the two of them sat down and started talking. And the boyfriend said that he just became a Christian, and he was very excited about Christianity, and that they're going to Hawaii soon, and they're going to get married. And the rabbi said, you know, your girlfriend, Dina, she was born a Jew. She might not know much about Judaism, but you're inviting her into a new religion now. So don't you think before she goes into your religion, she should learn something about her own religion? And he said, yeah, rabbi, that's a good idea. He said, maybe after we get married, we can go somewhere and learn about Judaism together. You have any ideas? The rabbi said, yeah, there's a great place in Minnesota, Beit Chana, it's run by Rabbi Manus Friedman. And the boyfriend said, yeah, that sounds great. In the meantime, Dina wasn't willing to talk with the rabbi, even for one second. And so having nothing else to do, he spent many hours late into the night talking with the boyfriend. He davened, he ate his sardines and crackers, and they continued talking. It wasn't what he was used to doing for Shabbos. And it was clear that Dina's boyfriend was very excited about his new religion. And he tried to convert the rabbi. But whenever he had an opportunity, the rabbi was talking about Dina and what she needed to do, and that it was all up to her. But Dina wouldn't speak to the rabbi for even one second. And by the time Moti Shabbos came, the rabbi realized that he had failed in his mission. He missed Shabbos with his home and traveled this whole distance just to be turned away by Dina. So he thanked the host, and he took his talis, and he went back to the car and got ready to go Back then, he had a little car, was a little two-seater MG. And as he turned on the engine, suddenly Dina appears, holding a backpack. And she walked straight over to the rabbi's car, opened the door, put her little bag behind the seat, and sat down. The rabbi had no idea what made her change her mind. But he knew better than to start asking questions. He just took off. And they didn't speak for 20 minutes. Then finally, Dina says to the rabbi, You probably have no idea why I'm with you. Do you? The rabbi said, "No, I have no idea. Why don't you please tell me?" And then Dina started crying. She said, "All my life, my father has been telling me that when I was a little child, he took me to meet the Labavitcher Rebbe." Dina's mother had passed away when she was very young, and her father was worried how she was going to grow up without a mother. And specifically, he was worried how would he raise her as a Jew. So they left their home in Manhattan and had a private audience with the Rebbe. And Mr. Friedman asked for a bracha for a blessing that he should be able to bring his child up as a Jew. The Rebbe gave his blessing and then he added, If you're ever having any difficulties with your daughter's Judaism, call Chabad and we will help you. In all my life, Dina said, I've been hearing that story from my father. And then she turned to the rabbi. She said, And now you come to me. Did my father tell you all of this? And the rabbi said, No. When he called me, he didn't mention the Rebbe at all. Well, that's the way my father is, you know. He hardly says anything, but I'm telling you, Rabbi." You are fulfilling the promise that the Rebbe made to my father, and that's why I'm sitting here in the car with you. And so the Rabbi took her back to Berkeley, arranged a flight for her to go to Minnesota to Beit Hana, and eventually she became a religious Jew, moved to Jerusalem, and is married and has a family. And when the Rabbi called the Rebbe's office to report what had happened, and to say that he had fulfilled the promise that the Rebbe had made to Mr. Friedman, the Rebbe simply responded, Thank you. Thank you for this good news. So you see, my sweetest friends, you never know. Sometimes you're Eliyahu and sometimes I am. And you never know when you do a favor for someone else, what promise you might be fulfilling. One more short story. Reb Nachum of Chernobyl, who was one of the closest chassidim of the Hele Gabal Shem Tov. he once spent Shabbos at the home of Reb Shimon Shlomo, the father of Reb Moshe of Savran. And it was the custom in their home that before Shabbos, just before sunset, they would light a very long candle, which would last all the way until the morning, just in case anyone wanted to get up in the middle of the night and learn Torah before the sun came up. And a little after midnight... The host and the family see Reb Nahum walking around the house as if the candle was not lighting it up, as if he was in complete darkness. They were watching him and they were scared that he was going to bump into something and hurt himself. Reb Nachum heard that everyone else is awake. And he said to them, Why didn't you light a candle that was going to last through the night? I thought you told me that that was the custom of your house. And the family couldn't understand. Because the truth was that the room was lit up, by the candle that they had lit before Shabbos. So why is Reb Nachum walking around as if it's pitch dark? And they said this to Reb Nachum, and he said, But I can't see anything. You say there's a light, but I don't see any light at all. And so they asked the Gentile servant who was in the house, Did she have anything to do with this? And she told them that earlier on Shabbos, the candle had burned out. And so she relit it, not thinking that it was a big deal. But because the candle had been lit on Shabbos, The tzaddik Reb Nachum was not able to see anything by its light because he was on such a high level that he couldn't benefit from the light that was lit on Shabbos.